Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. The scripture today is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, the proclamation of John the Baptist. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, church, that was one of the beginnings of uh, At the Table. And if you want to be part of an At the Table, uh, you're invited this Wednesday to come at 6 o'clock in the sanctuary. And we're going to be recording an At the Table. And we need people to participate. You don't have to get dressed up. You don't have to uh, do anything really crazy. We just, you can show up and be part. And I promise if you'll just be patient for about an hour, we'll, you'll get to see kind of what we do behind the scenes how we kind of fall into these, and you get to be part. And so come on December 14th at 6 o'clock, Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, and we'll be recording um, actually the Christmas Eve version of At the Table. So somebody said this morning they enjoyed At the Table this past week, and my deal is I never know which one it is, and I have to think about it. Well, which one did you see because they're so far in advance? So anyhow, we are grateful for you to be part of that and uh, would love for you to come out uh, this coming Wednesday at the table. Um, Stefan's written me all these kind of notes to remind me everything I was supposed to do this morning and I think I have done them all, I believe. If not, you'll forgive me and we'll fake our way through it. How's that? Well, this is an odd text, don't you think? This text that we just read, it's a it doesn't seem to be in sequence. However, it's the very first part of Mark. Do you remember how maybe Matthew and Luke start? They start with who? The baby Jesus, the mother and the father and all of that, but not Mark. No, Mark, even though it's Matthew, Mark, you would think maybe that was the second gospel written. It's really, we believe, the earliest gospel written. And Mark doesn't evidently want to waste any time with the childhood of Jesus. He wants to just get on with the show. And there's a real important reason for that. At the time where this is written, somewhere between 50 and 70, uh, is the time of a guy named Nero. You heard anything about him? Maybe in history class. 
he was a bad dude. And um, <clears throat> he was known for, number one, burning Rome. Some of you may remember that. But also, he had to blame the burning of Rome on somebody. And so we know that at this time, Jews and Christians were not separated. They were still seen as Jewish people, and some believed in this Christ Messiah, and some didn't. And in Rome, they lived in a particular area. And that particular area was kind of a poor, slum type of area. And then so, in order for Nero to continue to um, hold on to power, he had to blame somebody for this fire that destroyed Rome, which he ordered. And guess who he blamed? He blamed the Christians. And so soon thereafter, because he blamed the Christians, then things like putting Christians in animal hides and allowing wild dogs to attack them and eat them, or, or for Nero's parties at night, putting them on stakes and setting them aflame to lighten the night sky. He was a wonderful man, as you can tell. And it was in that backdrop, though, it's so important to understand that Mark writes. And so all through Mark, you hear this immediacy, you hear this uh, need for, uh, for some peace, a need for hope. And it, he just doesn't waste any words. It's all, this is who this Jesus is. And so right out of the chute, he talks about John the Baptist preparing the way. And John says, I baptize you in water. But the one who is coming will baptize you in the Holy Spirit by fire, you know, on the day of Pentecost. And so John the Baptist is there. And then right after the text we read, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and the clouds part and uh, out of the cloud, a dove descended on Jesus and out of the cloud, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so at the very beginning of Mark, Mark wants to establish that Jesus the Christ is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And there's an urgency, we need to get busy, you need to recognize this is Jesus the Christ. Now the purpose in the season of Advent as you know, uh, Advent is a Latin word, which simply means arrival or coming. And it is to help people, you and me, celebrate, get ready for the arrival of Jesus the Christ, who the Gospels reveal as the Son of God. And Advent is also meant to emphasize the coming of Christ in our midst in this day and age. That's what we're supposed to remember and Advent each year therefore focuses on the themes on waiting, expectation, and hope, and being alert. And waiting for the end times when Christ will come again, whatever that means. Now, Mark, as I said, jumps right into the narrative of Jesus coming and the urgency. And, and Mark describes um, this baptism his way of establishing for us to understand that this is indeed the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for for eons to come. So just like that, Mark's action-packed version of the arrival, the advent of Jesus, has Jesus immediately up and running and ready for ministry. Mark speaks to us in simple Greek, in the present tense. And if you could read the Greek, those of you who know Greek, some of you may know some Greek, what we sense is an almost breathless, almost exhaustive kind of urgency in the whole text. You can just feel it and sense it. Uh, that John the Baptist appears, and then Jesus comes and proclaiming the kingdom of God as if to say, 
What precisely happened before does not matter. We are called now and have to work to do everything we can do to make hope real. Advent is now. Hope and peace, love and joy is now. And we, the people who have seen the Christ, who have experienced the Christ, are part of it. Um, someone asked me a few minutes ago, are we going to get out of church early? Well, that's a crazy question to ask me because I'm so short-winded. But anyway, we are because um, I told him, I said, I have a sermonette today because we, we have to get out of here a little bit early so you can go to Sunday schools, those who are part of Sunday school, so they can go to those early and then be in 11 o'clock service, those who are taking part in that at 1045 rather than 11. So <clears throat> I want you to sense that Mark's gospel was written in a time of urgency. Christians are being killed, they're being tortured, they're being murdered. And so people need to know that the God who created hasn't left them. The God who created the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is there to offer them something other than what they're experiencing and seeing in the streets and in the arenas at the hand of Nero. And so you get this real urgency. Now what Mark, I believe, wants us to understand is that doesn't leave with Nero. Go fast forward over 2,000 years to the time you were born and the time you're breathing right now. Political uncertainty, war, this crazy thing called COVID, parents worried about RSV. There's an unsettledness in the air, isn't there? And I believe the world in which we live needs to know there is a way out. That the one who comes who was baptized of water and filled with the flame of God is as live and well today as it was at the time of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. I've told you, I think I've told you, you know, when you're as old as I am and you preach as many sermons as I have, you forget which stories you've told which congregations and which ones you haven't. And uh, I didn't go back and look, so I think I have told you this story, but I'm going to put a different spin on it. <clears throat> back when I think I was, I think I was 16 or 17, my dad and I went hunting every, well, that's part of what we did with life, was we fished and hunted a lot. And uh, deer season, we hunted in Osceola National Forest near central Florida. Over 300,000 acres of forest and swamps and snakes and bears and um, Florida panthers and bobcats. And my greatest fear really was always the wild boar. Have you ever come in contact with a wild boar? Stay away, trust me, they're, they're not fun creatures, and they're not scared of you. Anyway, and, and so we went hunting, which was our normal routine, and we would go into the woods, and Dad would drop me off to go to my deer stand. We, we hunted, still hunted, it's called. We gave up hunting with dogs, and um, I had a tree stand off on one side of a swamp, and my dad would take the truck and go to the other side of the swamp, and um, there we would park ourselves in these trees waiting for game. <clears throat> well, this one morning we did that. I mean, it's dark when you go in, and then 
around nine o'clock or so, between nine and 10, we'd get out of our stand and, and uh, go to the pickup site where dad would pick me up in the truck. And I get down and I, I get out of the tree stand and it's, uh, I don't know, around nine o'clock. I hadn't seen anything that morning other than squirrels and birds. And so I'm ready to get out of the stand and I get down and I start walking my path. And as I walk the path, remember this is uh, January and January, a January day in Florida that was a little balmy, warmer than normal. And so as I'm walking this little rabbit path, which is my normal path to go to my tree stand, all of a sudden, off to the side was a big, beautiful rattlesnake. They alerted me that I was coming near him, that wonderful sun. And I said, oh, I better go around you. Because the other thing is when you're hunting, you want to make the least amount of noise as possible because even on your way out, you might, you know, um, get a deer to come out or something. And so you wouldn't want to make any noise. So I just, okay, dude, you have the path. And I, I went way around it off my path. <clears throat> and then as I came back around him, I started looking for my path and I said, where in the world? And I started going back and it was a real cloudy day, even though it was balmy and uh, misting rain, typical Florida day, misting rain and balmy. And um, all of a sudden I realized I couldn't find my path. And so I said, well, I'll just double back around and go back from where I started and do this over. And so that's exactly what I did. Except I never found where I started. Somehow, going backwards from where I was did not look the same. And so it took about 30 minutes for me to realize, wait a minute, I didn't walk this far. And I realized I was lost. 300, over 300,000 acres and I'm lost in a swamp. And so for about the next 45 minutes, I continue to walk, figure, well, I can find my way out of here. That's not the big deal. I've done it, you know, I've hunted that same stand for like three years. I know where I am, where I'm going. After about 45 minutes of that, I realized I have no idea where I am. I was lost. And let me tell you, for those who've never experienced that experience, your blood pressure rises. Um, at 16, 17 years old, I began to shake, get really nervous, began to panic. Because I got news for you, you get lost in 300,000 300, acres of swamp, you is lost. I mean, you just lost. And I could just, my breathing was different. And the faster I would, the more anxious I would get, the faster I'd walk. And after about an hour of that, around 10 o'clock, I'm just trudging through swamp and all of a sudden I hear a horn beep. It's my dad's truck. And I was so messed up, I was literally headed in the wrong opposite, in the opposite direction from where I heard the horn. But boy, when I heard that horn, I knew, I knew it was dad's horn, but I thought even if it isn't, if I get to a vehicle, I'm all right. And so I just started running in that direction. I didn't care about having to stay quiet in the woods for any game. I started yelling, 
hey, hey, hey. And then I'd stop every once in a while and, and listen. And sure enough, honk. I'm here, I'm here. And I just run into the woods. Snakes, bears, you name it. I didn't care because I was running because I wanted to get to that truck. I wanted to get to safety. I wanted to get to a place where I wasn't lost. And I was just, I mean, run. I, I, I don't, my heart rate was probably, if I was doing that today, I'd probably be at the hospital for weeks on end. And I'm screaming hard. That horn got louder and louder. I just kept going to that horn. And finally, I saw that 1976 GMC blue truck. I mean, there was nothing better on the face of the planet than seeing my dad's truck and seeing him there in that seat. And I ran and I got in there. I was so scared I couldn't talk and so relieved. And dad's saying, well, where were you? Did you make a shot? Were you looking for a deer? Daddy, I was lost. And I, 16, 17-year-old kid, just began to bawl. Daddy, I was so lost. I was so scared. And he kept saying, you're okay now. You're okay. It's okay. And I said, Daddy, can we just go home? No, we got a full day of hunting left. That was evil, wasn't it? It was just evil that he did that. He said, no, you're safe. You're fine. He said, if you stay on your path, you always get where you're supposed to go. Dad, sure enough, that afternoon around 5 o'clock, he said, all right, let's go to our stands. I've never been so scared going to stand in all my life, but I guarantee you one thing, I was paying attention to every single tree, rock, bush, everything there was going in and out of there. <clears throat> What's the point, Ray? The point's this. That little stupid illustration of my lost in the woods being panicked and fearful I think is where our world is today. And the need people like John the Baptist and more importantly, Jesus the Christ, who comes and lives within you to let people know there is hope, there is peace, there is joy, there is love, no matter what the chaos, no matter what the fears, no matter what might come your way, no matter what loss you might feel, the God of the universe has entered planet Earth and things can never be the same again. And no matter what happens, you are in his loving care. He will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, as the old stereotypes are. He is closer than your breath and closer than your thoughts. That's what the world needs to hear and know. And usually the only way they know that is from you and me. That's our clarion call, that's our horn, that is John the Baptist calling out in the wilderness. The one is coming and has come this Advent season. Pray with me if you will. Holy God, I thank you that you come in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our fears, and certainly in all of our hopes. Lord, in some way, make that real for us today as we listen for your call in our lives. Make it so, Lord, in your name. Amen.